Good morning, church. Here we go. We're kicking off a new series. We're going to turn a corner here and we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. The Holy Spirit. Anybody think that there's a little bit of confusion about the Holy Spirit? You think there's a, a lot of ideas about the Holy Spirit? Maybe we've never studied the topic of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, before. Maybe this is the first time. We might have been in different churches that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit at all, or some of us have come from a place of, is there even a Father and Son in the Trinity? Because all I hear is about the Holy Spirit. And so depending on your background, depending on your upbringing, we have a lot to cover. I'm not going to pretend like in a number of messages we're going to cover all the territory, but we're all looking at the same book and we want to be honest, what is clear from scripture about the Holy Spirit? I want to start with this quote. Uh, Thomas Arnold said this, he who does not know God, the Holy Spirit cannot know God at all. It's a pretty bold statement, right? Or wherever there's confusion about God, the Holy Spirit, there's confusion about God himself. And so we want to bring clarity. Somebody say clarify. We're going to bring some clarity here because we're talking the mystery of the Trinity, one God, three persons. And some of us have a tendency to be misled or confused, ignorant or lopsided. Have you ever heard the phrase of to lose the forest for the, the trees? Have you heard that? Or lose the trees for the forest? You can say it one way or another. In this case, I think we have a tendency to lose the forest for the trees because we get so focused on maybe one verse or one aspect. We get zoomed in that we forget there is so much for us to cover. And maybe we're just so zoomed in that we need to start zooming out. Why would we study a series on the Holy Spirit? Because we can get confused. We can get lost. We can get so narrow focused that we don't have a panoramic view of certain topics in scripture. So this is going to be one of many series that we're going to be studying what we call systematic theology. Systematic theology, it just breaks down certain topics, certain subjects, and just talks about every single passage in the scriptures that talk about that particular topic. All of us have a theology. The question is, is it, is it accurate? All of us have formulated some ideas about the Holy Spirit, about salvation, about church, about the end times, about the Bible. But the question is, is it accurate? Are you correct in your theology? Everyone's a theologian, but here's a big fancy word we're calling this pneumatology. Pneumatology. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma. So the study of the Spirit. Why do this? Well, here's a couple things. I don't know if you're taking notes. You probably should. It's God's will for your life to take notes. Here we go. Number one, because doctrine, everybody say teaching, because it's teaching, right? Because doctrine is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that God would give such a gift that we would be taught and we could have accurate views on life in all areas of life. It's a beautiful thing. As you see the beauty, goodness, and the truth of God, you come more fully alive. As you see the beauty and you see the goodness and you see the truth of God, you become more fully human. How about this? Because doctrine, everybody say teaching, teaching so important. This doctrine thing, teaching is powerful. It's powerful. Okay. Because when your eyes are open to see certain things, it just, it, it, it creates something in you of a hunger for more and a desire to change and a desire to search the scriptures. Did you know that the Holy Spirit shows up in the second verse of the Bible? Uh, Jesus is there too. And so in the very first chapter of the Bible, we see the Godhead in chapter two, that we see the Spirit hovering over 
the, the nothingness before there was anything. There was nothing, and the Spirit of God was there. And so that is a powerful truth that, that helps us realize there's so much to learn. And so when you fully embrace biblical teaching, it will energetically work God's will into your soul. I, I was looking at 1 Thessalonians 2.13, if you just want to jot that down. 1 Thess 2.13, uh, this, is, this is what it says, it's so awesome. We thank God constantly that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the words of men, ever say boo, yeah, boo, not the words of men, that's lame, but instead as it, what, it, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you. That is powerful when you hear God's voice through his words, right? Not somebody's thoughts or opinions. So that's probably a good reason why we should dive deep into every subject, but specifically to do this series on the Holy Spirit. How about this number three? Because the Holy Spirit is often neglected or misapplied. Neglected or misapplied. And I was referring to uh, earlier some of our backgrounds, are ones that are either marked by I was misled based on this topic of the Holy Spirit or I was severely misapplying. I neglected it. I misapplied it. For some of us, we, we grew up with the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. I mean, I, I don't know about the Holy Spirit, but like we're really serious about the Bible. And, and guess what? We're pretty fired up about God's Word here. I hope you are too. But we believe that there is a spirit that is a person, we're going to get into that, that is neglected. He's neglected and we misapply the truths. We neglect the Holy Spirit and we end up neglecting God himself. That's not, that's not good, is it? That's not good. When we neglect this topic of the Holy Spirit, we're neglecting God and we want to be different. We want to change, right? Or we emphasize one aspect and make our one thing everything. How about this? Number four, because abuse among denominations. Why is it important for us to do a deep dive into the topic of the Holy Spirit? Because entire denominations have been built on certain premises of the Holy Spirit, one or two aspects of the Spirit of God. And because, if we're going to be real honest, every denomination at some point throughout history, whether new or old, has always been prone towards error and we need to keep coming back to what does God really say about the Holy Spirit. And so I don't know what denominational ties you have had. I don't know what you've experienced. Um, and I, I know for, for myself, I'm, I'm quite a mutt. And so I've, I, I've experienced a lot of different denominations, a lot of different types of churches, and talk about extreme to extreme. And, and our denomination is going to stand for what they are for and we're against and we're gonna we're gonna be so pendulum swinging and we're reactionary towards certain aspects instead of just get out of the ditches and get onto the road so we can pick up some momentum here and get clarity on who the holy spirit is down with confusion up with clarity if you're ready say let's go here we go here we go so we're gonna we're gonna be looking at john uh, gospel of john acts and ephesians as we so we get started here. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. Uh, contrary to our, our common world views, uh, any, any uh, Star Wars fans in the house? Anybody? Anybody? We got a, we got a few, all right? Uh, probably one of the most common phrases in, in the Star Wars series 
Hey, anybody got a good Star Wars phrase for me? May the force be with you. Okay. Do, do you believe that pop culture, you believe that uh, different movies have a way of forming a worldview, that it shapes the way that we think about certain things? And here's, here's the reality. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a he. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's not an it. He's a he. He's a person. He's a person. Turn to your name and say, he's a person. He's a person. He's a person. Verse 16 of John 14. I don't know if you have all those written out, but if you want to jot some of these addresses down, John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. A helper. He, helper. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is who we're talking about here, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's a person. How about this? Verse 26, same chapter, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He'll, he'll teach and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus is leaving. He is coming, the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 of John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, because that's not what he does. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, he said, the Spirit's talking, not fuzzy feelings, not, not just the, the emotional energy. He spoke. What did the Holy Spirit say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He's a person. In verse 30 of Ephesians 4, do not grieve. Everybody say grieve. Uh, you only can grieve a person. You, you make a person grieve and ache and hurt. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, here we go. Are you ready for number two? Ready for number two? Taking notes. Number two, here we have the Holy Spirit is God. If there was any, any questions at all, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Well, can, can we get some scriptures to, to back that up a little bit? Is he, is he deity? Is it true? Well, here we go. I think you have a, a little framework there in your, in your notes. The Holy Spirit is, first of all, eternal, proving that he's God. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, the eternal spirit, somebody say eternal, there it is, eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The Holy Spirit is eternal. How about this? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, omnipresent. What does that mean? Omni meaning all, every, right? Present, present, everywhere. And man, for some of us, we, we joke about if I, if I could just duplicate myself, if I could just multiply myself, right? If I could just clone myself. Well, the reality is the Spirit of God is everywhere. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? 
What's the answer? Nowhere. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the ground, if I die, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in other parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Where shall I go from your spirit, your Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God is everywhere. Omnipresence is only a title for who? For God, for God. And so how else would we describe the Holy Spirit? We, we see from 1 Corinthians 2 that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. What in the world does that mean? Omniscience. Science is knowledge, to know, right? Having all knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2 clarifies this, 2, 10, and 11. These things God has revealed to us. How are things revealed? How, how would we know? Well, it's revealed through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts? What? Yeah, who does know the thoughts of people? Spirit does. The Spirit of the person which is just in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except there's no way I can even understand God. I can't even understand his word except the Spirit of God. How amazing is it right now in this moment, we are reading scripture together and some of us, we can't understand what's right in front of our face. We just don't see it. Why? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we're not well-trained and well-rehearsed in the scriptures. And yet we read verses and go, I see it. That makes, that makes sense. I, I can understand that. Where'd that come from? Is that your IQ? That ain't from the genes, baby. You know where that's from? from the Spirit of God who is in you to give you understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How about this? The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipotent. What does omnipotent mean? Potent means uh, that's strong, baby. That's strong. All power, all strength. Luke 1. Here we go. Luke 1, 35 through 37. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Do you remember the nativity, the Christmas story? Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born, Mary, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, and when we see behold, we say what? Check it out. All right, here we go. Verse 36. And behold, come on, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. But nothing's impossible. God has the ability to overcome his power full greater than any obstacles. I mean, I don't know when the last time we're, we're going to enter into the Christmas season in a few months. It's going to be here before you know it. Can you believe that? We're like halfway through the year and pretty soon it's going to be like 2024. Blink! It's going to go. When we get to Christmas, we're going to remember there's another impossible scenario that the God of the impossible shows up in power, right? And that same spirit that presented himself to Mary, it's the same spirit that's living in us, doing the impossible. How about this? The Holy Spirit is holy. We know that the Holy Spirit is God because we see from Romans 1, 4, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of... So here, here's a name for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ, our Lord. How awesome is that? The Holy Spirit is clarified all throughout the scriptures, and we need to bring all of these truths into alignment, into focus, 
Otherwise, we lose the forest for our favorite tree of teaching any given subject specifically on the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit's a person, somebody say he's a person. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? The Holy Spirit is God. Somebody say he's God. He's God. What if if that if that wasn't clear enough, I just want to insert this this one's free, okay? I'm not even going to charge for it. Acts 5, 3, and 4. This is what Peter said. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Ananias and Sapphira sold land, came, give their offering, right? They were ready to tithe up. And they said, here. And it was clarified immediately. Peter's like, you didn't lie. He could have said, why did you lie to God the Father? Could have said, why did you lie to Jesus? What does he say? You lied to the, the Holy Spirit. And here we go. Verse four says, you have not lied to man. You ain't fooling me, y'all. Peter's like, you lied to God. Do you see? In verse four, you lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. Boom. All right. Mic drop. There you go. We're done. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. All right. As we, as we continue, we want further clarity. Somebody say, I want some more. I know you do. I know. Here we go. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is awesome. Somebody say, awesome. If you're not fired up as we go through this series, considering the power of the Spirit and the personality of the Spirit and, and the specific position that the Spirit has and the role that the Spirit plays and the invitation to be filled and to be led and to be helped and to be changed, I'm hoping every single Sunday, we're, I thought that the Holy Spirit was okay when we started, but I'm getting to a place of awesome, awesome. I love the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come do your work. Change me, show up in power. The Holy Spirit's awesome. Ephesians 1, back to Ephesians 1. I know we're bouncing all over the place. Somebody say, that's okay. Okay, I know you can handle it. All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you for permission here. Verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, what happened then? Well, you were sealed with who? The promised Holy Spirit. The waiting is over. He's here. Promise fulfilled. Boom. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Awesome. Our God is awesome. The spirit of God is awesome. So, so we're laying a foundation, right? We're just get, getting the, the basics clarified. One of the things that we want to, to clarify is, okay, we're kind of seeing who the Holy Spirit is. I want to answer this for us. What's the Holy Spirit's role in the life of the Godhead and the Trinity, specifically with Jesus? What was the relationship between Son and Spirit? Can we, can we do a, a quick journey? Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Somebody say, I can handle it. Here we go. The Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus. He brings about the incarnation. We, we just previewed Luke there, right? Thinking about the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So how did Christmas happen? I hope this Christmas and every Christmas you think, Holy Spirit, I know the answer. Not just baby Jesus. That's good. It's a good start. How did Jesus come about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Father sending the Son 
and it was the work of the Spirit. The Trinity is at work, the Godhead at work. Christmas, the incarnation, in the flesh, only by the power of the Spirit. What else? What else? He anoints Jesus for public ministry. Have you thought about this? Matthew 3.16. I know y'all got John 3.16 down. Here, here, Matthew, add it to the repertoire. Matthew 3.16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately he went up from the water, boom, and behold, and the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. What was that all about? In the moment that Jesus came out of the water, you have the Father speaking from heaven. You have the Spirit of God descending. It says like, like, they didn't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a dove. The Spirit descending on Jesus. What's that about? There is an anointing. There's a confirmation of he's the one. If that wasn't enough with the Spirit's activity that the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Pay attention to what he has to say. The anointing of Jesus and his ministry, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What else do we have? The Spirit of uh, verse 18, Luke 4, excuse me, 14 and 18. He leads and empowers Jesus' life on earth. If it wasn't enough that he anointed and inaugurated the public ministry of Jesus, what else does the Spirit do? Leads and empowers every step of the way, Jesus' life on earth. Luke 4, 14 and 18, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I mean, Jesus is powerful, yeah, and he's empowered by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to go into Galilee and report about him when all throughout the surrounding country, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If Jesus is fired up saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's saying, pretty soon I have to leave right at the end of his ministry, and there's going to be one that's going to come. Well, isn't that crazy that as we watch Jesus' ministry, that Jesus is paving the way to say, you're going to experience something like this also. I'm going first to lead, to empower. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Who, who empowers all this? Who is the fuel for all this ministry? It's the Holy Spirit. Every step of the way, there was a dependence that Jesus had on the Spirit of God. But isn't Jesus already fully God? Yes. And when you fully understand the Trinity, you write the book, I will read it, okay? When you fully understand that and grasp that, we can sit down, we can talk. This is so awesome, though, to see that he raises Jesus from the dead. And around here, the past couple of years, we've been talking a whole lot about this topic of power, resurrection power, and I love it. Romans 8, Romans 8, 11. And I, I wish like Sunday mornings, the ladies could get together and like cover Romans 8 or something all summer long. Hey, that's happening. That's happening right here right here in a room near you, if you're a woman. Sorry, sorry. Guys, Romans 8's coming to you sometime, sometime later. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I don't know when the last time you just paused to think the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is in me. If I'm a child of God, that spirit's in me. Does that do something? Do I really believe that? Do I live like that's a reality? Am I experiencing that? Resurrection power should be normative in the church and in God's people. There should be things that are happening where, where'd that come from? How did that happen? Only the Spirit of God can do that. If we're doing what is explainable by us, that's a problem. If things are happening in our lives personally and in our families, and in our church and in ministries going, I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea. In fact, I do. Because <laughs> credit goes to a supernatural God when supernatural things happen, and we should be expecting that. We should be expecting it. His power that raised Jesus from the dead in us. How about this? He applies the atonement. He applies the what? The, the atonement. Hebrews 9, 14. Let's unpack this. How much more will the blood of Christ, an atonement is a, a sacrifice that, that covers. Someone had to die. There's no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood, right? How much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal, there it is, spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And again, as we think about some of these passages, we we can see them in their different aspects, right? We referred to Hebrews 9 earlier. This is such powerful truth if we would not just study it or think about it, but that we would prepare to encounter it, to live it, to expect this work in us as a church. Do you believe a church? Do you believe that this should be normal activity? The Spirit of God is working, should be evident. 2 Corinthians 3.18 this is, this is also a, a little bit extra, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll put this in free of charge. I love this passage. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3. And we all with unveiled face beholding, checking out the glory of the Lord. When we see the glory of God, what happens? We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from, where does transformation come from? How do I change? For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You can't change apart from the Spirit's work. And so just for us to pause, that, that was a lot, right? That was already a, a full meal, okay? So I know this series is going to feel a little different. We're going to go through a lot of Scripture. We're just going to bathe in it, right? We're just taking a shower. You know, just just let it, let it pour down. So much of these truths, we can just, just, just flying by. And then all of a sudden we leave and go, what do you remember? I don't know. We just, just like race down through. What if you spent this week saying, I want, I want to see you. I want to see you in your glory. Holy spirit, open my eyes, change me from one degree of glory to another. Cause I know it comes from you spirit. And just thinking, Jesus made a comment during his ministry. He said that he was a man of 
of sorrows. He lived a lifestyle of sorrow that he was alone. He didn't even have a place to, to sleep in his, in his ministry. When he kicked off his ministry in those last years, he said, man, I'm checking out the birds and the foxes. Everybody's got a place. I don't have a place. Everybody's got a home. I don't have a home. And you think about being betrayed and rejected. When's the last time you thought, my life is really hard, and then you pause and you're like, well, I don't have people attempting to murder me every single day when I am just trying to be helpful. So your, your worst day, it's like Jesus' best day. Okay? And think about what kind of lifestyle of loneliness and betrayal and hardship, who did he have? And I, and I think we can make a pretty strong case that the Holy Spirit was the closest companion that Jesus Christ had. He had a friend closer than any others, no matter what he went through, that the Spirit of God was on him, filling him, and walking with him. And because Jesus experienced that, we can experience that. He went first. He led the way. <laughs> so I, I, I just asked this question, who, who's your favorite and best and closest companion? Because we got to get real honest about like how how much I need or I have to be with. I mean, my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my, my spouse or my kids, grandkids. I don't know if you have the, the dog or the cat. Man, if, if I lost anybody in my life, man, if my truck broke down, tears, right? Ford, you're my only friend. Guess what? One after another, let down, let down, let down. And you know what's going to happen? At some point, you are going to be able to have full confidence, and maybe it's not today, but I pray it soon, that you're going to have full confidence even if everybody leaves me, even if everybody rejects me, everybody abandons me, everybody lets me down, even if those that I love and I'm closest to die. I have a, I have a friend that is never going to leave me and has made promises to me that nobody else can make, the Holy Spirit. I pray week after week that You'll be blown away as we just lay foundation after foundation, layer after layer. Who is the Holy Spirit that you would have your eyes open to this, that you would be changed? So we have Holy Spirit is, is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is awesome. Somebody say awesome. Here we go. Here we go. And lastly, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And if we had one specific mission statement for the Holy Spirit would be glorify Jesus. In that day and to this day, the glory of the Son is the primary focal point and passion of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not come and is not moving and working to make much of himself. He exists solely to make much of Jesus Christ. So any activity that it has a little commentary of that was totally the Holy Spirit or anything posted on social media of Spirit of God just showed up. You got to ask, were all signs pointing to Jesus? Are we referring to Jesus being lifted high and exalted? Because where the Spirit of God is, Jesus is seen more clearly because the Holy Spirit makes much of the Son. That's his role, his passion. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, that he will speak. 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Who said that? Jesus did. He, that's, it. that's his passion. That's his agenda. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He is the middle man. He is the vehicle in which Jesus is heard and understood. If we could, if we could put it this way, the Holy Spirit's eager expectation is looking for opportunities to put the spotlight on Jesus. Wherever Jesus is being spoken of or read about or conversations or struggles internally are going on, the Holy Spirit is coming saying, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the one to turn to. Or if you've ever walked through, have you walked by somebody's house with the floodlights? Maybe you've, you've been startled yourself by your own floodlights, okay? But like when it goes from pitch black to boom, full floodlight, like the whole backyard, or you're just minding your own business. I don't know how many people actually take walks in the dark these days. Everybody's too paranoid and scared out of their gourds, right? But it's just, for instance, you're walking by and it's just dark and all of a sudden the motion sensor floodlight. You might pee a little. It's a scary thing to go from black to boom. It's daytime. It's noon. How awesome is it as we pray and as we seek the Spirit the expectation is that there is going to be a flood of light. Where there was ignorance, there's clarity. Where there is confusion, more clarity. Where there was bad teaching in the past on the subject, more and more clarity. Who does that? The Holy Spirit is just working, working to shine light in dark places and say, Jesus, Jesus, here he is. Adore him. Worship him. Look to him. He's worthy. So the Spirit of God is never saying, look at me, always saying, listen to him. He's the only voice. He's the only one. And the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus by, and we will we'll finish with this, regenerating rebels, regenerating rebels. We're going to be talking about regeneration next week. We're going to be talking about John 3 in depth, but here it is. John, what do you have to say to us about the Holy Spirit? Well, here are Jesus' words. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Man, I can't wait. To I'm not going to be here. Everybody say, aw. I, I know. I know you're heartbroken. Uh, but Brother Jay is going to be bringing some John 3. Excited to hear the message. Such a powerful chapter in the entire of Scripture. I'm going to be visiting my dad. And we don't know how much time we have with him. It could be just, just a few more months. But John 3, any passage in Scripture, was, was the one my dad and I kept coming back to I was the first one to be saved in my family. All my extended family, all my immediate family, dead, 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 dead in their sins. Little religious, but lost. They needed to be made alive. They needed to be regenerated, made alive. And only the Spirit of God can do that. And we kept coming back to John 3. And my dad kept saying, what? Born again? That's a Baptist thing. That's a Baptist thing. Us Lutherans, we don't believe in the whole born again thing. All you guys do is read Paul. And I said, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. 
It's in the Gospels, Dad. And Martin didn't write it. Okay? And a Baptist didn't write it. You have to go from death to life, and you can't make yourself alive. And I love this. Regeneration of rebels. And guess what God did? He brought alive my whole immediate family. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. Dead things coming alive. What else? Sanctifying believers. Once you're a Christian, uh, are you good to go from that point? Saved, good, done, heaven, just waiting, bunkering down, watching fear-mongering news every single day, just waiting for the end, waiting for the end. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, just all going to hell now. Armageddon's coming. Do you, do you know what the Spirit of God does? He says, you weren't saved to bunker down in fear. You were saved to be transformed. You were saved to be changed. You were saved to be sanctified. Who does the sanctifying work? Who does this work of making the old, new, and every little crevice, every little drawer and closet, all of it opened up, God speaking in and empowering for there to be radical transformation? Guess who it is? The Holy Spirit. Sanctifying believers. John 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of the Son. Anybody fully conformed to Jesus yet? That's the Spirit's work, still conforming in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus started, we follow, and we are being molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit. How about this? 1 John 3, 2, love it. Beloved, loved ones, loved ones, do you know that you're loved? I don't know when the last time somebody told you you are loved. You're probably going to hear it in a few minutes, but you might as well just pause here. You are loved. You are loved. Beloved, loved ones, we are God's children now. Isn't that amazing? I used to hate God. I used to be religious, bored by God. Young, lame, don't care, too busy. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. We're, we're God's children. We were adopted. What we will be has not yet appeared. God's not done yet. Somebody say he's not done yet. He's not done. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. But, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he really is. And being conformed is the work of the Spirit to his Son until that day. How about this illuminating scripture? Luke 24. Luke 24, so helpful. Verses 27 and then 44 through 48. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is like, the whole Old Testament, it's all about me. It's all about me. Every single story, every single law, it whispers the name of Jesus. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must, somebody say must, must be fulfilled. It's got to be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds. They're walking, listening, scratching their head a little bit. What? Who's this guy? What are we talking about? Not sure. Then what happened? Minds opened to understand the scriptures. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
It's like, it starts with you, but you got to understand what I'm saying, Jesus says. In order for you to understand the words of Jesus, only the Holy Spirit can do that. Have you, have you ever experienced, and I, I just love sharing stories about my dad because I was just totally blown away because it was like, there's, there's no way my dad's getting saved. No way, no way, no way. And the number of times that we sat and argued and debated and he was drunk throwing Bibles at me across the kitchen and my mom's running out, out of the front door, it got wild at the Feek household. I'm telling you, Jesus brought war, not peace. It was wild. And then I walked in and I'm the big old lazy boy, my dad with his legs and his John MacArthur study Bible open. I don't know where that came from. Was my father clothed and in his right mind. And these were the first words of my dad being born again, at least to me. John, I've been reading this book for years and years. Why am I just understanding it now? It all makes sense now. And my very first thought is, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's saved. How do I know? Because the Holy Spirit illuminates, opens blind eyes to see what's, it's already there. It's always been there. You just can't see it until the Spirit of God opens eyes. If you've been reading scripture for years and years, could I, could I say this? And I don't mean this in, with any condemnation. If you've been reading the scriptures for years and it doesn't make any sense, you might not be a Christian. That's why it doesn't make sense. Okay? So receive that. However, if, if you read regularly and it's, I don't understand it, and I even got the kid's Bible and I got, I got the first grade version of the Bible and it still doesn't make any sense, it's because you don't have the Holy Spirit. Your eyes have not been opened. What I'm not saying is that when you have the Holy Spirit, then you understand everything and you're like, I've been doing a deep dive in uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation, and uh, I wrote a dissertation on it. How long have you been saved? A week. Like, that's not going to happen, right? But there's a level of, I couldn't see, and now I see. I didn't understand, and now I'm starting to understand. Who does that? Praise be to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. You're real. You're alive. You're working. And I see it. I see the evidence. I can see now. You made a blind man and blind woman see. And here, lastly, what else? What else does he do? Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What kind of power are you going to receive? What happens when the Holy Spirit shows up in the first chapter of Acts? You will be my witnesses. You're going to brag about me, tell people. You're going to preach and teach. You're going to evangelize in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria all the way to the end of the earth because it's empowering preaching that is the result of the Holy Spirit working. Because people can stand up and they can preach and they can teach and it's just yawn up here and yawn out there. When the Holy Spirit shows up, there's boldness out and there's receptivity and there is a heart that is open that was once closed. The ability to teach, to preach, and to receive it, and to go everywhere and tell everyone, where does that come from? That's not natural. That's the Holy Spirit empowering, empowering. So somebody say, land the plane. Here we go. Land the plane, land the plane. As the worship team comes up, I want, I want to end with this. We have a, 
pastor and author, Eric Thone says this, humans become what they adore. Humans become what they adore. The spirit works to foster adoration. Somebody say adoration. This is so powerful. The spirit works to foster adoration of Christ, to adore Christ so that people will become just like him. Thus, sanctification flows from adoration. Change of heart, change of life, change of mind flows out of a worship and an adoring of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you're like, my life's not changing, I'm stuck. I'm just as crabby and crusty and bitter and negative and critical as I've always been. One diagnostic we could say, one thing we could point to is, you're not a worshiper of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit warms your heart, the Holy Spirit turns your eyes up. And when your eyes turn up and you begin to worship Jesus as a lifestyle, you start changing. You become someone you never were before. Not because of more intellectual study, not just being around church, but there's something about a transformation from I'm bored with worship to I'm a passionate worshiper. And I don't know who needs to be freed today from, well, if I had a better singing voice, then maybe I would sing. And the reality is the more you sing, the better your voice improves. But worship of Jesus is not confined to just singing songs to him. It's a life of thank yous. It's a life of pointing people to him with gratitude. It's a lifestyle of wanting to get with people that are like-minded and say, let's worship him. He's worthy of worship. And then we're sanctified. We're changed. And both are accomplished. I love this. Eric says, they're both accomplished by the spirit in the believer's life. For me to adore Jesus and me to have a changed life only accomplished by the spirit of God. Are you experiencing that? Not just no facts about that, not just more information, but do you see that your heart is shifting? Do you see that your value system is being changed? Do you see that your focus of what you love is changing? Your desires, you want things different than you used to. You used to talk one way and your talk is changing. You used to be okay with all kinds of things and all of a sudden you're not comfortable with those old things anymore because the Spirit of God is working little by little conforming you to Jesus.